Welcome to episode 163 of the X-Files Retrospective Podcast, released through Bureau 42. I'm your host, Blaine Dowler. This week we're looking at Thief, which is season 7, episode 14. The original air date is March 12th of the year 2000, and the IMDb user score is 7.6 out of 10. And, once again, the action predominantly takes place in California. This episode was written by John Scheiben, Vince Gilligan, and Frank Spotnitz, who are sometimes referred to as John Gilnitz, which was the origin of the TV newscaster character we see here, and it was directed by Kim Manners. So in this episode, a doctor's family is targeted by voodoo, and they start to die around him. It's eventually discovered that he was involved in the treatment of a bus rollover group of victims and one of the patients was in extreme pain with no chance of survival. So, rather than try futilely to save her life, he just kept giving her greater and greater amounts of morphine to relieve the pain, and eventually led to an overdose which he says took the last 20 minutes of her life. And, frankly, in Scully's opinion, she would have agreed with him and done pretty much the same thing. That Jane Doe's father was an Appalachian voodoo practitioner by the name of Oral Petey, and now he is taking the doctor's family away because the doctor took his. Eventually, he starts coming for the doctor himself, but Scully is able to stop him by shooting him non-fatally. The guest cast includes Billy Drago as Oral Petey. He's also known for The Untouchables, Delta Force 2, The Hills Have Eyes, and Charmed. James Morrison plays Dr. Robert Weeder, the primary victim and target, who's also known primarily for his roles in Space Above and Beyond. That's the connection that got him serious consideration for part on the X-Files, as well as 24 Twin Peaks and Showing Up. Kate McNeil plays the doctor's wife, Nan Weeder. She's also known for Monkey Shines, Space Cowboys, Sudden Death, and The House on Sorority Row. Kara Jadell is the doctor's daughter, Lucy Weeder. She's also known for Sleeping with the Dead, Mr. Murder, and Beyond Belief Factor Fiction, although it seems she's much more active as a casting agent now than as someone who actually appears on screen. So, there's not a lot to say about the episode itself in terms of the long-term plots. Oral PD does not return, even though there was the option for him to do so. Most of what we see here is a result of what's happening off-screen rather than on. At this point, it wasn't known whether or not the series was going to get a season 8, although they did know that David Duchovny had managed to settle the lawsuit about the contract disputes and receive the payment that he was due, but that he would not be returning to the series full-time from this point forward. He'd be available at least part-time for season 8, but not for every episode. So at this point, they were starting to plan, you know, if there's going to be a season 8, what is there going to be in it? We don't know if there's going to be a season 8 without Duchovny full-time. So they were starting to write things so that the season 7 finale could also serve as a series finale. And part of that is actually moving Scully away from her pure skepticism. So early on, she will totally accept that witchcraft was the intent when she found 
the dirt, or actually when Mulder found the dirt and showed it to her, as the reason why they were involved in the case. Towards the end, while she's still putting her faith in science and medical science for the most part, she was blinded by Petey, and then her blindness was cured when Mulder found the voodoo doll and pulled the nails out of its eyes. So at this point, she's no longer willing to just write it off. And even over Petey's hospital bed, she openly wonders whether or not Petey could have saved his daughter had he been there as he claimed. Now this was also dedicated to Rick Jacobson. That's something else that was going on sort of behind the scenes. Rick Jacobson's name has not specifically appeared in the X-Files credits before, but he was the president and chief operating officer of 20th Century Fox Television. And he really did support syndicated reruns and syndicated sales. And he had passed away a few days prior after a very long battle with cancer at age 48. So they dedicated the memory to him since he was a big supporter not just of the X-Files, but of a lot of other shows. Now, as far as the science is concerned, really there's no attempt at science here. I mean, it is designed to be witchcraft and fantasy and occult. The closest is when Oral says that radiation is born in the heart of the atom, and then puts a religious spin on that. And while that is where some radiation comes, that would all be in the sometimes ultraviolet, mostly gamma range. Microwave radiation, which is what he was using here, does not come from the heart of the atom. That actually specifically comes from transitions of electrons in their orbits. It doesn't have nearly enough energy to come from the heart of the atom, which is why, even though it's undeniably dangerous in large quantities, the risks of microwave radiation overdoses are just being cooked. There's not enough energy for a cancer risk. It cannot cause cancer. Although exposure to too much of it can damage your body badly enough that your body's natural abilities to repair itself and heal can be pushed to or beyond their limits, which means cancer that starts elsewhere is tougher to fight just because the resources aren't there. And yes, it's estimated that the average adult human has about 24 cancerous cells in their bodies at any given time. It's something that naturally happens as cells divide. We just don't consider it having cancer until the body's natural systems to fight against that fail to the point that it grows into a tumor that starts disrupting our health. In any event, even though Oral says that radiation is born from the heart of the atom, he's clearly portrayed as being uneducated. He hadn't used a microwave before, even though it's you know now the year 2000. He didn't know how to spell thief. He's very much off the grid and probably did not go to school for any sort of formal public education. And it looks like his daughter didn't either, since there's a lack of paperwork around her, with her Jane Doe Hospital reports being the primary source of information on her. There's no social security number, no record of birth, none of that. So I think it's safe to say that the writers are not expecting us to accept Oral's description of the microwave radiation. In any event, that's about all we have to say about Thief. Join us again in two weeks' time for On Ami. Thank you for listening. <laughs>